Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning, the following broadcast contains adult language, adult content, frank safety discussions, and stories that might sound unbelievable. But believe me, every one of those stories is true. We didn't start the safety war, but we are going to fight to win it. For our families, for our communities, for our workplaces, and for our lives. And good afternoon, everybody. It's Friday the 13th. I'm going to do a shout out to my wife. We're halfway to your birthday, honey. So it's Friday, January 13, 2023. What's happening out there? Hope everybody is doing well. You enjoyed your week. I ended up, I ended the week on a positive note I came out of the building that we're working on and somebody was unloading a trailer and everything was when I got there they were in the middle of the unloading of it and the load was widthwise, not lengthwise on the trailer hanging off the ends of the trailer by about 10 feet and I said I hope to God and he wasn't driving around like that. And I realized that, oh no, he made an adjustment and he put it like that, blah, blah, blah. I had mentioned it to one of our contract uh, managers. He was there, I said, and we had one hell of a laugh. I hadn't laughed like that in about two years. But, yeah, seriously, uh, maybe a year and a half. Right, summer of... 2021 but anyway why do I remember details like that so I wanted to give you this is from selecthealth.org uh, the benefits of laughter true laughter releases endorphins one effect of the releases hormone is that it increases pain tolerance so it relieves pain here is one for you increases your chances of getting pregnant Really? A 2011 study showed women go through in vitro fertilization were 16% more likely to get pregnant when entertained by a clown than those who did not have the clown encounter. Well, my wife calls me a clown, I guess, you know. Anyway, I digress. It helps your heart. A good guffaw is healthy for your heart. It helps your heart by increasing the amount of oxygen in your blood and kicking up your heart rate. It decreases arterial wall stiffness. It boosts your immune system. It makes you happier. Yeah, real, yeah. laughing helps lighten your mood. Reduces stress. 
Your body releases cortisol when you're stressed because it's known that stress hormone cortisol gets a bad rap, but it plays an important role in the body. Right? Going on and on. It relaxes your body. And let's remember, laugh with people, not at people. So, anyway, uh, everybody got a good laugh over uh, what I had said. So, I guess they were laughing with each other. Now, here's something else. There was a report, I don't have it in front of me here, about depression, anxiety, and some other mental health issues improving just by doing a good deed or having a good deed done to you. Works just as effective as many medications and other treatments. So, uh, it's like the, I, I used to have a friend that would say, uh, we had uh, two friends, and uh, one friend was always chronically negative. And the other friend would say, hey, you feel bad, that bad one, you should go and volunteer somewhere, right? Like a hospital, old age home, something like that, do something nice, because one, it's good for the mental health. Number two, you'll notice that you still have it pretty good. A little bit of thoughts there. Now, this study here, right I don't know, this is weird here, right? But I don't know how they came up with this number. 96, this is from CNBC. 96% of workers are looking for a new job in 2023. The poll says, what you what to know before you job hop? A whopping 96% of workers are looking for a new position in 2023, largely in search of better pay, according to a recent report at MyMonster.com. Job hopping is widely considered the best way to give your salary a boost. But there are other considerations that matter too, such as a healthy work-life balance. So uh, people are, uh, no, inflation, things cost more. People are looking to job hop. I don't know if it's 96%. That seems a little bit high on that. I would have to see the methodology for that. And we're going to hold off on that here. Public school enrollment drops by 1.4 million students posing financial challenges for big cities. It's from the Epoch Times. Enrollment in U.S. public schools saw a one-year drop of $1.4 million in the fall of 2020, hitting a 10-year low of 49.4 million students. Although enrollment rebounded slightly in 2021, it remains at its lowest level since 2010. New York City's public school enrollment decreased to 903,000. Now, what I don't understand here on that is this. Now, so it has a quote here by Mayor Eric Adams. We have a hemorrhaging of families that are leaving the city, leaving the school system. Adams threw the loss of students who trigger loss in federal funding. Okay, well, now we got to the truth here, right? Loss of students, loss in federal funding. Because I tell you what, we're paying a lot of property taxes here, which include school taxes. We're talking like five grand a year per household, six grand a year in our uh, community here. Uh, I would think that fewer students, the same number of property tax players, would probably indicate 
though you would have more money for school, but I really don't know how this is working. When you consider federal funding for schools, uh, that's probably where the truth is here with that. I know with colleges and universities, there's a big issue right now, right, with uh, we're having a significant one at New Jersey City University uh, where they've uh, had a couple of real bad financial decisions and then they end, and now they, with the pande- end of the pandemic, you have fewer students coming there and, that, and they had to cut something like, uh, just for, uh, for the people who don't know, uh, New Jersey City University went through several thousand, uh, it seems, name changes over the years. Maybe about five or six in reality. And it's known as the Teaching College of New Jersey. No, colloquialism, popular, popularly, right? Because they specialize in teaching. What it comes down to is this. The... Uh, uh, they cut 30 programs, and one, uh, one of the programs uh, there that they're cutting is an outreach to the community. It's meant to service inner-city uh, folks, and what's happening is the, uh, the, uh, they're cutting programs, and they're cutting their community outreach uh, for those programs. They have a Educate the Block program. Uh, Project Source is another program they, they uh, support, things of that nature. So it's really uh, a bummer to see this, where we're not going to have the community outreach in a community that's at, at risk, and that is Jersey City, New Jersey, and Hudson County. Uh, pretty bad, you know? Pretty bad uh, way of going here. All right. File this one under, are we being manipulated? The CDC identifies possible safety concern for certain people receiving COVID vaccines. The CDC says that a preliminary COVID-19 vaccine safety signal has been identified as and is investigating whether by one of the uh, vaccinations creates an increase of ischemic ischemic stroke in people 65 or older. And they're doing an investigation. So one of the main uh, arguments against vaccinations is that they haven't been investigated. They're still experimental for COVID. This is, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, It would have been nice had we figured this out beforehand. But when you hand, hand out 183 million vaccinations times two is what it comes down to. You might have some people that have bad uh, adverse effects is what I know with that. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. This is from Yahoo News. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. sees media outlets over this information initiative. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the son of slain U.S. presidential candidate and other anti-vaccine activists, have filed a lawsuit against several news organizations that have banded together to fight misinformation. The nearly 100-page complaint filed this week in a U.S. district court in Texas accuses the media outlets and social media companies of colluding to censor other online publishers with alternative COVID narratives. 
Besides Kennedy, plaintiffs include an organization he founded, Children's Health Defense, right-wing news organizations that have promoted anti-vaccine theories, and physicians who are prominent COVID and vaccine, uh, vaccine skeptics. So, the, the federal antitrust, what, according to the uh, complaint, according to the news story I'm reading, federal antitrust law has its own name for this kind of industry partnership. It's called the Group Boycott. Claims of plaintiffs have been censored, demonetized, demoted, throttled, shadow banned, and or excluded entirely from platforms like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wow. So, with all of the Twitter leaks that are coming out, right, uh, from uh, Elon Musk, I don't know what to think here. Are there... Is this some merit to this? I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. We'll see how this shakes out in court. But one thing that the pandemic, if you know, one thing I got out of it, if nobody else got out of it, was we're being manipulated constantly with this. And it was, uh, unfortunately, in this case, it was in your face with this. Uh, I've been documenting this since 2003 in depth where we have people and there were people like uh bernard goldberg i think it was who wrote a book on uh, cbs news and boycotting there uh that, that was back in the early 2000s 2002 2003 there were other uh books along the way and uh there were there was a couple of peer-reviewed studies on this uh doesn't seem to be that no doesn't seem that people want to believe that one of the reasons why we set up safety wars here is to get people to think for themselves, number one. Number two was human organizational performance. Number three, to have a platform that when I think people are being lied to, I'm going to tell you, right? Well, then I'm going to give you the inside information, and I hope to never stray from that. We're going to take a break right now. As you can hear, in case you haven't heard, uh, my voice is coming back. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, first aid cases, catastrophic losses. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. 
And we are back. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's safety today. So, uh, one of the advantages of having a program at this time, that's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and uh, afternoon drive time in on the West Coast of the United States here, is this. I get ahead of everybody else. We really do talk about stuff here. I usually release the podcast, uh, releases and podcasts unless i'm really dissatisfied with the with the uh, program right usually monday one tuesday wednesday we're doing good here you know we're doing really good when it comes to friday after working uh 60 or 70 hours i can be a little bit not so good and i acknowledge that so uh those are the ones that do not get posted monday uh is a holiday so we will not be here uh, in all likelihood if we are you'll know about it uh with that uh, i usually have a meeting uh uh well uh i usually have a meeting the third monday of every month that i go to uh, that i enjoy going to so uh we often uh go to that so anyway we have a couple of stuff here. It sounds like they're local, but they're really not local. A couple of stories we'll get into, but first, we're going to go into the financial news. Dow Jones Industrial included in, uh, closed up again today. 34302, 61, S&P 500, up 399.09. NASDAQ, 11, up again, 11. 11,079.16. Russell, 2018, 87.03. Up. U.S. Treasury notes, up 35.05%. And Bitcoin, all, oh, wow, whopping. And again, this is in real time, Friday night. Almost 21,000 came up. So what was that, like a 3,000? Yeah, that was like from... From midnight last night, that was like a almost 3,000 uh, point rise on that. Wow. Crude oil is up also. 80.06. How many, uh, how much is that from last night? That was up almost $2. So what's going on there? Gold is up in 1931. Silver, 24.56. Platinum has sunk to 10.81. Palladium is up 18.31.50. So, all of that stuff is up. Some down. We finished the week on a positive note as far as the markets are concerned. Uh, I'm skeptical. But what else is new? So, uh, these might seem like, uh, again, uh, for whatever reason, the OSHA is very active up here as far as release, uh, releasing uh, press releases on stuff. So, uh, I try to include all parts of the country. However, we always end up getting back to New Jersey and New York and Boston, this area. A national auto parts distributor and an Arizona logistics firm that misclassified 1,398 drivers as independent contractors will pay them a total of 5.6 mil in back wages and liquidated damages after the Department of Labor obtained a consent judgment in federal court. 
So, uh, no, no, no. so this parts manufacturer uh, apparently had the uh, people paid as an independent contractor. What does that mean? That means that they pay them a flat rate and do not take out any taxes or anything else from there. So, you, for example, you get paid $20 an hour, uh, and you work 40 hours a week, you get $800, and then you're responsible for all of the taxes on it. The government does not like that because they because with withholding, they get a lot of money in there, number one. Number two uh, is that uh, a lot of times uh, there's some underhanded things going on there, and you're not paying your Social Security taxes, for example. You're able to write off a lot of wages, a lot of expenses across uh, versus that and everything else. Right, so for example, your cell phone bill—you don't get tax on. That's an expense that gets taken off the top here, and a lot loses a lot of tax revenues. But what does it do as far as worker safety is concerned? You're essentially self-employed, and a self and are self-employed individuals are self-employed individuals uh, subject to OSHA. So what happens is, and I know this uh, because uh, we get the news almost every week here on our former governor, Jim McGreevy, who used to be a friend of the family, a friend of my family, was the mayor of the uh, Woodbridge for many years, Woodbridge, New Jersey, where my family resides, uh, where I grew up, and he... uh, so he had problems, and he left the governorship, and he started a uh, went back and uh, became a uh, Episcopalian priest, I believe it was, and he ended up starting a charity on workers getting back to work from prison, rehab, things of that nature, to put them into the workforce, and they stress a lot of safety. Because this is what happens. A lot, a lot of the people getting out of prison, they have either misdemeanors or felons. They're felons. And they have difficulty. Pardon me, I had to sneeze. They have difficulty finding employment. So what happens is they end up as independent contractors. They end up working for scab uh, I'm sorry for lack of a better word, scab companies that don't worry about safety and uh, end up getting hurt. I mean, the most horrific injuries because they're all not covered under OSHA. They're being paid as an independent contractor or they're forced to form their own company and then the uh, main company, would, they'll hire them and now you're paying a company. Right? And, but you're still self-employed. So they're forced to become entrepreneurs. But what happens is, they I, I mean, I've been on jobs where, on projects where they've hired folks literally right out of prison, no hard hats, they don't supply them hard hats, they don't supply them safety glasses, they don't supply them work boots. We have people coming onto the job in flip-flops, I mean, heavy construction, flip-flops, and everything else, and forget about, they don't want to uh, whistleblower protections, forget about it. Uh, 
hey, if uh, you report you according to uh, you're on probation, we often as a uh, often as a condition of probation, you have to go to school or have a job or both. What ends up happening? If they report anything to OSHA, you think I have whistleblower protections. But guess what? We all know with whistleblower protections, it's only within a certain amount of time. They get taken advantage of, they get abused, and everything else. I taught in a program at a university, uh, no, individuals like this. And they're people who just want to work. They just, they've been in prison. They're trying to straighten out their lives. And it's a shame that we have people out there going and taking advantage of them. And this is where this sort of thing happens is with uh, companies. They won't, they'll hire them, hire people just, you know, one, they don't, let's see what else they don't have to do. They don't have to obey OSHA because these are independent contractors. They don't have workers' comp insurance because they're contractors. And if you're self-employed, you're not eligible for workers' comp in most cases. Uh, what else? What else is going on? Uh, if they do get hurt and they want to sue somebody, the people they're working with, good luck on that. Very difficult to succeed in that type of case. They... Uh, well, the big benefit for the company is you don't have to pay workers' comp insurance. You don't have to pay health insurance. You don't have to do a lot of stuff for that. So it used to be very easy to comply with the law back in the day when I first became uh, self-employed. They had, I believe, either seven or nine criteria that they used to use for determining an independent contractor's status. Under the Obama administration, I believe that was done away with, and now they look at everything. I think the biggest thing is, if so with an independent contractor, you say, I need this job done, you go and do it. Right? And that's it. You don't give them any direction. You don't give them a timeline. You might give them a deadline, you don't give them a timeline to do it. You don't manage the work or nothing. In that case, you can argument can be made, and I'm not a lawyer here, that that's an independent contractor. If you say the job starts at 7 a.m., guess what? They're no longer an independent contractor. If you're giving them direction how to do the job, they're no longer an independent contractor. Going on and on and on and on and on with that. That's all part of it. So, uh, that's one thing. Here you go. U.S. Department of Labor finds a contractor continues to expose workers to potentially deadly falls. This time at Upper Saddle River Worksite. This is Upper Saddle River is in uh, New Jersey. Uh, basically, it's one of the most exclusive uh, uh, uh neighborhoods in new jersey if you want to drive through a nice neighborhood right that's the neighborhood you go to uh back when my i used to live in new york about two miles away from uh the where this happened 
uh, where this uh, where this uh, citation happened, where this incident happened, and uh, you know it was amazing. You're looking at I've been through Beverly Hills and I haven't seen houses like that. The other area town is Alpine, not too far away from that. Same deal. Now, beautiful houses like you will not believe. Uh, I was looking at a house in Alpine, and it was considered a shack for $750,000 when I was looking for a house. And it was just you're paying for the address, and it was a shack. But what's even funnier is that I am in Acme. <laughs> My son was about two years old. I'm in Acme uh, shopping. And who do I, uh, and, you know, and who do I uh, see in the aisle? Reverend Run from Run DMC. So uh, what song came on the uh, radio on the uh, loudspeaker? Pretty funny. The Run DMC version of the cover of the uh, Aerosmith uh, song, Walk This Way. Uh, right? And I just started singing the song, and Reverend Run looked at me like, what? The, what uh, another one. Like he has to deal with this all the time. So I go talk to one of the guys in the store, and I say, you know, good afternoon. I don't talk to the guy. Guy wants to go shopping, right? Food shopping. And uh, I talked to one of the guys uh, in the store, one of, uh, one of the help there, and I say, he says, every time he comes into the store, we put on Run DMC, and specifically that song. It drives him nuts. But he goes along with it with a good sense of humor. All right, so here we go. Uh, da, da, da. Now, I have a little bit of an inside story here. My uh, neighbor has a uh, extended family is in the roofing business, primarily residential roofs. And OSHA, and what happens is, I always wondered why I only see roofs being built on Saturday or Sunday in my town. Well, and uh, the surrounding towns, Rockland County, Orange County, Bergen, Sussex, that sort of thing. And I, you know, the guy says to me... I, well, it's real simple. I, I think I knew the answer. He says, OSHA does not open on Sunday or Saturday. I said, really? He says, yeah. He says, basically what's going on is that uh, an OSHA citation officer came to his uh, job site and started writing him up for you know, fall protection and everything else, very similar to what we're going to read out with this, right? And... What uh, what happens is this uh, the uh, now let's say that you're giving a bid on a house and you're a roofer and a house is at like one two three ABC Street right and you do not get the bid for that house you keep an eye on that house for two or three weeks afterwards and then people start building putting on a new roof in the house so what do people do? The, you know, the person who loses the bid starts taking photos, starts sending them over to the local area office of OSHA. And, before, and this is what the roofers do to each other. I'm wondering if that's what happened here. It was on uh, July 6, 2022. Let me look what day of the week was that. 
it was a Wednesday. So, anyway, this is what it is. As part of its local emphasis program on falls and construction, OSHA opened an inspection of a certain company operating as another company at a Upper Saddle River worksite on July 6, 2022. During the inspection, OSHA inspectors observed four workers on a roof exposed to a 30-foot fall hazard without fall protection, as well as additional violations at the worksite on other days of that week. At the time, the company was employed as a roofing subcontractor on a Another for another company, residential uh, construction project. Following the July inspection, the agency issued 12 citations, nine willful and three serious violations, and proposed $584,000 in penalties for exposing workers to fall hazards, improperly using ladders, and failing to provide head and eye protection. This company has a significant OSHA history and is fully aware of what OSHA standards require. This latest inspection offers further proof that the operator of the company simply refuses to comply with the law. We will use our full authority to hold this employer and others who continually put employees in danger accountable. The Bureau uh, reports that 986 construction workers died on the job in 2021 with 378 of those fatalities related to falls from elevation. And going on and on and on. Okay, let's dissect these nine willful and three serious violations. Okay, I have it in front of me here. And uh, let me uh, point out to everybody here. Everyone is innocent till proven guilty. And everybody, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff gets... Uh, Negotiated downward, settled out of court, vacated, and everything else. Uh, if I, I tell you what, I, this is what I tell clients: if you want a small, if you're having a small problem with OSHA, a couple grand here and there, okay, you can probably you know negotiate that with them. Once it starts to get to about five hundred and some thousand dollars, you need an attorney. At that point, uh, you don't call up ABC and say, "Well, I'm going to negotiate it myself." I don't think that's going to work. You need an attorney. I tell you, $584,000, you better get an attorney on that one. Or there are safety consultants that do handle stuff like that, but they do it through an attorney. So here we have citation one, item one. Type of violation is serious. It was corrected during the inspection. They got a $6,381 uh, proposed fine. No, no, no. Personal fall arrest systems, when stopping a fall, shall be rigged in such that an employee can either free fall more than six feet or contact any other uh, lower level. Personal fall arrest systems did not protect employees from falls hazards as lifelines utilized rigged such that employees could fall approximately 30 feet and could contact lower levels. I'll read into this and say the ground. The condition was observed on or about 7922. Number Citation 1, item 2, type of violation serious. This is $6,381. 
employee using a portable extension ladder was exposed to fall hazards of approximately 30 feet as the ladder side rails did not extend three foot above the upper landing surface. So when you're putting up a ladder and it has to extend by three feet, usually that's three rungs above the surface that you're uh, climbing onto. When such an extension uh, ladder is not possible because of the ladder's length, then the ladder shall be secured at its top at, at, to rigid support that will not deflect and a grasping device, right? Blah, blah, blah. So it's harder to mount and dismount a ladder, and they're 30 foot up. Citation one, item three, type of violation serious. Each employee did not use at least one hand to grasp the ladder when progressing up and down the ladder. An employee descending a portable extension ladder was exposed to fall hazards of 30 point as three points of contact were not used. Condition observed on or about. Well, okay. Again, bad habits and no training. Here we have a willful violation. Employees working in areas where there is a possible danger of head injury from impact or falling from flying objects or from electrical shocks burns were not protect protected by protective helmets. So, uh, this is very wordy here. Let me see if I could parse this down a little bit. This was on, observed on three days before the other violations. Employees uh, it was a different property, though. Do, 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 let me look. No, it was the same property three days prior. Hmm, 43, 48. Yeah, wow. They were keeping an eye on them for a couple of days, so I don't know. They knew that they were being watched, so they did it anyway. Okay, I hope the roofs are going to not leak. So they were not wearing appropriate head protection. And they had employees number one, number two, number three, and number four were exposed to overhead impact hazards while engaged in the staging and roofing materials on a six, uh, on a six, whatever that, on a six by 12 foot pitch roof. It should buy, there's a misspelling here. The roofing materials were boomed overhead and placed on the roof using an articulating knuckle boom crane with a fork attachment. Employees were not provided with any protective helmet or any appropriate head protection or a head protective device. So no hard hats. How much is a hard hat? Five to twenty dollars? And it cost them sixty-three uh, proposed penalty of sixty-three thousand eight hundred and twelve dollars. Holy crap. Type of violation, willful, serious. Citation number two. The employer did not ensure that each employee used appropriate eye or face protection when exposed to eye or face hazards from flying particles, molten metal, liquid chemicals, acids, or caustic liquids, chemical gases, or vapors, or potentially injurious light radiation. So no eye protection. How much does a pair of safety glasses go for, especially if you buy them in bulk? Any guess? Any guess? Any guess? Any guess? About anywhere from ninety-three to two dollars, ninety-three cents to two dollars. Cost them proposed penalty fifty-four thousand six hundred ninety-four dollars.
Okay, I'm going to take a break because I got to get a drink right here. I think I'm going to expand on this a little bit more uh, with this. And uh, hold on. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. I'm not going to go out and insult the uh, reports, the media reports that I uh, saw on this story here. And you can go look them up online. There's a lot of New Jersey news uh, places out there. But this is what uh, the issue is here. Let me scroll down here. Okay, they did a pretty good job on this one article from NJ.com. But it's really not you, not useful here if you're interested in preventing accidents, right? Uh, so one of the uh, no, if this was going to be uh, the straits news right from Singapore, uh, for example, they would go into everything that they don't have, right, and list it out, everything that or everything that you need to prevent an accident like this. This is not what the American media does. They want to click in and out. So I'm going to go and make it a point next week to actually do a full-blown program on that. Uh, reason why they got whacked with a lot of this stuff was that uh, last March they had the same violations, basically. Uh, the same type of stuff, like uh, failure to provide fall protection and head protection, eye protection for workers in installing shingles. So that's probably why they got whacked really bad. And uh, remember, they're the government. They know where you're working. Right? Here we have citation two, item four, willful, serious violation. So if you're in construction, that's where the general industry uh, and maritime and uh, marine terminals. It's six feet or higher. If you're if you're six feet or higher, you have to be protected by a guardrail system, safety net system, or personal fall arrest system. How much one of these? Uh, how much one of these rigs cost? You can uh, suit up one person, right? Here we go. Okay, the employee was exposed to thirty feet for thirty foot, and we're dealing with number four. Employee number four, <coughs> All right, which is one employee here. All right. For one employee, the fall protection, you could probably rig them up for less than 300 bucks. Right? And that's one time cost if they maintain the equipment in the last five years. It's going to cost them $63,812. Proposed penalty. Again, nothing is final. I don't know. I, I I don't know really what these people are thinking here, right? So here is 63. Uh, hold on. Let me write this down. Here we have citation two, item five, willful, serious. 
Each employee engaged in residential construction activities six feet or more at lower levels are not protected. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Another one, right? Not using appropriate fall protection. Employee number three was engaged in removal on stage roofing materials on a six on 12 pitch roof, was not protected from falling hazards from approximately 30 foot down to the uh, asphalt. $63,000 proposed penalty. Here's another one. Willful, serious. Again, another employee. They got him for every employee here. Employee number two. Not protected. $63,812. Another one. Willful, serious. All right. Same deal. 63812 They got him from every employee on the roof, it looks like. Citation 2, item 8. Each employee engaged in residential construction activities six feet or more above lower levels were not protected, blah, 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 nor were employees provided with an alternative fall protection measure. Under, uh, under another provision of paragraph 526-501, So, the employee wore an inadequate personal fall arrest harness and was not using a lanyard, anchor, point, or lifeline. So, he was wearing a harness or a belt, probably a belt at this point. Again, $63,812. Another one. Willful serious. No fall protection. Six feet or higher. 63,812. So here we go. We have a grand total of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 different things for those penalties of $584,333. Uh, I have a feeling they're going to probably protest this. And let me save that. Yeah, I'm probably going to go through all of this. Uh, this is worth a whole video on itself. Very frustrating here with everything uh, that we have uh, contractors doing this. In 2023, this is 2022. So we have, uh, just out of curiosity... On July 6, 2022, Saddlebrook, New Jersey, the average temperature was, uh, the high temperature was 86 degrees and 67. I think if this were today, 2023, they might whack them for heat protection, not having a heat protection plan or something like that. That would be a general duty clause type thing. So what do we need here? Now, let's do a little bit of a deep dive here all right no first of all why are roofers doing this why why is that a targeted industry every week practically you can probably find a roofer in this country doing uh, getting cited so this is not a unique thing here number one number two you have a right the inside story here is, and i guess is we could call this a safety wars exclusive right safety wars exclusive Right, you have roofers calling OSHA on each other, right? This is what I'm told here. 
And uh, so we have another thing going on. Uh, number three is that until 2010, right, roofers were effectively... All right, so basically roofing wasn't really cited, right, uh, the roof by OSHA until like 2010. Even though it applied to them, it wasn't a targeted real industry until 2010. And a lot of the, and like a lot of industries, they're like the industries that we just mentioned in the previous story. A lot of the roofing companies are non-union, number one. There are union roofing companies. I've worked with them. I'm not against or for unions. I'm neutral on them. Uh, a lot of the folks are from at-risk communities, from downtrodden communities, communities that are, uh, we're talking criminals, uh, run out of, I've worked with uh, roofing companies, they specifically hire people who are former convicts, criminals, uh, people who can't find a job anywhere else. They end up in the roofing business, often. So what happens is, the roofing companies, well, they don't have to give them any type of, uh, they feel that they don't have to give them any training, any equipment, nothing. Just go up on the roof and guess what? You're, you're no, part of your, uh, part of your, uh, uh, conditions of probation, if you're on probation, is that you have to have a job. You got to go to school. So these people, the incentive is that we're going to hire people at risk, right? We're going to hire people who are desperate. This is what I've been told. We're going to hire people with all different types of situations, and we're not going to pay them a lot, and we're not going to uh, do anything for them. And because this is very competitive, especially in uh, this area where I live, guess what? Uh, all that, no, safety training and everything, you, you, you're never going to get these jobs, right? Because there's always going to be a company out there not doing you know, the right thing by their employees. So what ends up happening? What ends up happening is you have situations like this. Multiple problems, multiple things. I, I tell you what, uh, we do uh, a lot of, uh, we're hired as competent persons for general contractors, and usually it's from the roof roofing companies that refuse to do, even, a lot of them refuse to do even the most basic health and safety. This is just the way it is. With them, we end up having problems, issues managing them. The other thing is this, the roofing is essential. Some would argue the roof is just as important as the foundation of a building because the roof protects everything on the inside of the building. So they basically got you by the proverbial gonads when they come to the job site. You need a new roof on your house. You have a leak. Guess what? You don't, you're not going to spend a lot of money. You're going to go low bid. You're not going to say, well, I'm going to be worried about the... Uh, uh, I'm going to be worried about the workers and how the workers are treated and if they have fall protection and if they have this, they, if they have that, blah, 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 blah. You're not going to do that. You're going to, especially in the residential, you're going to go for the cheapest people possible. So what, what ends up happening? That's where all the problems occur, it seems, with OSHA violations, uh, fatalities. And that seems, no, those are the high-profile uh, ones. I don't even know. That would be a question for Dawn Becker, 
right? From insure people first. I don't even know what your liabilities would be as a homeowner if someone falls off your roof. I, I have no idea. We know that they can't sue the employer. That's assuming that they are not in, being paid as an independent contractor. They're not being, uh, you know, they're not an immigrant workforce that, uh, you know, that might be here uh, illegally. And they got the job. They don't want to say anything. They're being taken advantage of. I, I mean, the whole situation sucks. And there's many different layers of the onion here with this. Uh, it's a definite problem. I know uh, one thing. We uh, were on a job last winter, not this past winter, but uh, winter of 2022. The uh, roofing contractor outright threatened to kill us. Uh, and destroy us uh, because of uh, we were actually enforcing uh, fall protection uh, stuff for the you know for the general contractor. And so, well, nobody else uh, gives us these issues. Well, I don't know what to tell you on that one. Uh, with this, uh, you know, I don't know. Do we have anything else you want to talk about? I blew through all my stuff here uh, for the day. And I know I downloaded a couple of memes here that seemed pretty inspirational to me. So this is uh, what I found out today. There, and people, this is one of the big lies in uh, safety, I call it. If you have diesel engines... They do not give you indoor air quality problems. So we recently got a diesel, on uh, one of my projects, we have a diesel compressor uh, out there. All right? We have a diesel uh, compressor. So I ended up, I'm doing, I had a forecast monitor with me. I held the forecast monitor up to the exhaust. And lo and behold, what do you think we measured? Carbon monoxide. Are there some interferences with some of the other stuff in diesel exhaust? Yeah, a little bit, but basically I did some research, and that's what uh, everybody else, uh, all the articles there, you do get carbon monoxide from diesel exhaust, but you continuously hear from people, uh, oh, no, you don't know, there is no... uh, uh, carbon monoxide and diesel exhaust, so therefore we're going to go and we're going to put that inside of a building. The reality is is that you do get carbon monoxide, a lot lesser than a gas engine, and you still need ventilation and everything else, but this is one of the things you know are, that are out there. Uh, the other thing is the... Uh, uh, Air monitoring, right? A lot of people, and again, I got I get this comment too. Jim, every time that you do air monitoring, the equipment's calibrated. Yes, every time, especially with permit required confined spaces. Well, why do you do that? It's not in the law. No, it's in the manufacturer's recommendations. It's also in the NFPA through standard three fifty for permit required confined spaces. Oh, well, nobody else does it. Well, that's good. Nobody else does it. I'm doing it. It's called backbone, people. You got to have it on stuff like air monitoring. You set up a system in place and you document it. You have logs and everything else. I know there was a 
I was working in the when I was working in the oil industry, a question came up, and one of my uh, uh, well, do, how do we know that our subcontractors here, and this is the facility talking, are actually calibrating their equipment? And one of the guy and everyone, oh, they're all calibrating it. Ah, yeah. ah, and they came to uh, the guy Frank is his name. Came to yeah, of course, Jim is. Come on, it's Jim Pozel. He's calibrating everything. Blah, blah, blah. So about two days later, no, went through the grapevine that they had questions on our calibration records. And I said, hey, uh, Frank, can you come over to my office real quick? I have something to show you. I broke out calibration records for the last nine years. And he says, by the way, Jim, I said, I heard what you did for me. You vouched for me and everything else. Everybody else was, oh, yeah, but they knew they were full of crap. He said, Jim, this is what I need you to do. Can you give me your calibration records? I'm going to bring them to the powers that be. So he, no, nobody. And then all of a sudden, they started to uh, audit everybody else. Nobody had calibration records. They all lied, uh, basically. And uh, people lied on their behalf. It was a big mess. Uh, because this is what happens. No calibration records or anything else with the uh, equipment. What do you think happens when there's a problem? They're going to go after paperwork. And if you don't have calibration records, guess what? In accordance to NFPA and manufacturer's recommendations and everything else, all of a sudden they have a leading indicator that they should go and de- dig deeper. I had a client when I worked in corporate America before I went out on my own. Uh, that company had a client that did not keep calibration records. And what do you think happened when there was an explosion and some people got killed? And an oxygen deficient atmosphere on top of that. Well, we have all these air mounting records that said everything was fine. Well, do you have calibration records? No. Well, then guess what? None of those records mean anything. That's how it went down with the attorneys. Not very expensive lesson. So that's why we do cal- equipment calibrations. So I want to wish everybody a happy weekend, uh, three-day weekend. Have fun, everybody, and we will see you next week. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.
concentrator still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety. How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. 